to reflecting on the here and now, the way it is, the silence, uh, the body, the breath, Now, this, this is a way of just relaxing, of opening, observing. So this attitude is not, it's not attaining. You don't come in here to be mindful. You know, if that's what you think, then you realize that's a thought or a creation of your mind. But the attitude, the, the here and now. Pachubana Dhamma, the unborn, uncreated, unformed, unconditioned now, in which the body's like this, <clears throat> the breath, the <clears throat> mental, the state of mind's like this. So it's not attaining, you're not trying to get anything, just observing, resting, taking refuge in this awareness, awakened consciousness with awareness, mindfulness, wisdom is like this. So you, you know the way of, because the conditioning of the mind is very different. The personality, the our values, conventions of our society, and the thinking process are all very restless: attaining, achieving, criticizing, approving, disapproving. The movement of conditioned phenomena. And so the, the Buddha is a, like breaking through that illusion of a separate self, a personality, or the personality as being oneself. Or the opinions or emotions that we have as being me or mine, good or bad, right or wrong. So this, this is like going against, uh, it's going against everything you're conditioned to believe and identify and grasp. It's the, it's the reality of non-grasping, non-attaining, non-becoming. <clears throat> so the Samana life, monastic life is about letting go, relinquishing rather than attaining, achieving, becoming. So these retreats like encouraging you to to uh, reflect in this way, you know, be the observer. Begin to trust this ability that we have to be the knower of conditioned phenomena, not the conditions themselves. So take, for example, uh, clouds in the sky. You know, dark rain clouds come over, hide the sun. And we, you know, we, on the, we might not want that. We want to see the sun, bright, sunny, warm weather, not dark, cloudy, wet, cold weather. But we know that we don't have much ability to arrange the clouds and the weather the way we want. You know, so like 
living in England is like this, the weather's like this, clouds come and go, sun appears. It's always there, you know, whether the clouds are there or not, something else. We'll apply that uh, analogy to just the personality one has or the emotional feelings of the moment. The body itself, it's a, it's a condition. The way it is, it feels like this at this moment. But our relationship to it is like looking at the clouds. It's, clouds are far away, so, and we know that uh, the clouds don't belong to me. I can't claim the, the clouds as being anything other than nature because they're, you know, I have no control, no ability to own them but because they're far away. We'll see that, that relationship of personality, like Sakya Yaditi, personality view. It's like, it's a cloud. It's, a, it's not something that when you observe it, then it's, it's far away, it's separate. If you operate from that Sakya Diti, then you're, you're back in the realm of birth and death and suffering. Like if you spent the day on a rainy day here just being angry and depressed because there's rain clouds and it's cold and that you're, you know, the, the reality of the weather is like this but, but the suffering is I don't want it, I don't like it. I want it to be otherwise. And so the, the Buddha pointed to that relationship of condition phenomena is all conditions are impermanent. And non-self. Sape sankarani cha, sape, sape tama anatta. So that awareness, sati sampajanya, Consciousness, we are conscious, aware, and discerning. So there's wisdom. We're informing our consciousness. There's consciousness, but even a mad person is conscious. You know, consciousness is, you know, receives whatever is, is, uh, it's reflecting, you know, whether it's sane or insane, good or bad, beautiful, ugly. But then the conditioning process that is always the attachment to the conditions. I like this, I don't like that. Me and mine. So this, you know, the summoner life is like non-attachment, non-self. You know, the attitude of just being an empty vehicle, nobody, nothing. You know, this nothing to become, nothing to get rid of. But not a, a kind of denial or a, a suppression or a annihilation of anything because the true nature of this moment when there's mindfulness, there's nobody in it. It's not a person. There's consciousness, wisdom, discernment, and then the, the self, the conditions, the clouds in the sky, the feelings we have, liking or disliking, wanting or not wanting, are like this. So this is this is a perspective, you know, like space and form. The relationship of the unlimited, unbounded to the limited and the bounded. And so in the four elements, the earth, fire, water and air, <clears throat> 
This represents the, you know, the bounded, the form, the condition, qualities of heat or flowing, liquid, moving, changing conditions, the solid, the, the air, the power of conditioned phenomena changing in its various aspects and from, you know, with all its different qualities and from refined to coarse. Then there's space and consciousness at this moment. Space has no boundary, consciousness no boundary. They're the immeasurable, unlimited. So like they, in the terms of the Arupa Jhanas, isn't it? The space, consciousness, nothingness, and neither perception or non-perception. These are, these, they're called arupa, not, have no rupa, no form, no boundary. <clears throat> and then earth, fire, water, and air about boundary, about quality, quantity. They have characteristics. Uh, they're changing. And so with mindfulness, we're is this uh, gate to, the door to the unbounded, unlimited, unborn, uncreated. In which the born, the created, the formed are seen for what they are. Discerned, they're like this. In the meditation world of modern interest in Buddhist meditation, you know, there's in the in just our tradition, Theravada tradition, you know, there's so many views and opinions about you know meditation, jhanas, stages. You know, there's, uh, as you all know, we we have our own opinions, our own attitudes, our own kind of preferences and positions we take on uh, that um, part of our personality, the way we grasp the teachings of the Buddha or the Theravada tradition, scriptural authority, or our own particular uh, way of thinking about it. So that, that's why, you know, the, the, to me, the, the emphasis Ajahn Chah made was, you know, was, was not on finding a position to take on Buddhism, but to have this direct reflectiveness. You know, the awake and here and now. It's not asking me to do something impossible. It's not a kind of highly attained state that you have to you know, be a, be a monastic to get after years of living in a cave and fighting off the forces of Mara, you finally get this non-self as some kind of attainment. It's not, it's not nothing special. It's just not noticed, not reflected because of the, the momentum of ignorance, of avicca. The power of the delusions of Sakayaditi Sila Sipatbaramasa Wichikicha, the first three fetters. So I said this many times, but why why should I reinforce Sakayaditi Sila Bhattabaramasa Wichikicha? You know, the, the sense of identity with the conventions or the personality. Or point to it. To me, this is, this is what 
what I encountered with Lung Po Cha. It was, you know, the first year, the difficulty of communication on the, on the language level. But it was much more, you know, he called it Dhamma language. And it wasn't Thai, it wasn't English. Pasa Dhamma, he said. So this is, this is Pasa Dhamma, this pointing. This is not about, you know, what a Western monk or nun thinks or views or scholastic views uh, about Buddhism. Or having, or having an opinion that one operates from, but just this encouragement to wake up and see, come and see. Ehi pasiko, dhamma. So this is where, you know, to observe your own tendencies, your way your ego, your personality, your assumptions, all this operating. That's not a criticism, but it's a, it's a discerning, you know, like the way I feel, my personal take on Theravada Buddhism or my, uh, the opinions I have, the way I look at the people I'm living with, the, the, you know, whatever I'm involved with, my emotions, my views, opinions, the sense of myself. Instead of adding more to that, to awaken and observe it. See, the encouragement, the, it's very clearly stated in the, the fetters, ten fetters, now, the extreme entry, sotapanna, those three fetters are the obstructions to the path. So what does that mean? As long as Siddhapattabharamasa, Vichikita, and Sakyaditi operate, if they're just the modus operandi that we use in this life, what do we end up with? We suffer from it. We suffer from our monastic commitment. We suffer from just the, the emotions that we have and what we want or don't want. So suffering is always a result of ignorance and attachment to conditioned phenomena. So that's why with the Four Noble Truths is, that's the, uh, suffering is the first one. It's obvious, you know, just, if I'm suffering, what am I attached to? If there's attachment, if I'm suffering, disappointment, despair, anger, resentment, anxiety, disease of any sort, there's an awareness of it. You know, you see, you're aware, I don't feel very good today, or I feel upset, or I feel, uh, you know, nobody loves me, or everything's going wrong, or things like this. It's like this, isn't it? That knowing of the feeling. Then you, you know, then the reflectiveness I feel, if everything's falling apart, the whole world's crashing down around my, on top of my head, the sky's falling in, nobody loves me like this. That which is aware of that feeling is, this is, this is, this is what I trust, the awareness of the feeling. I don't trust the, the power of my emotions. They've, you know, they're totally deluded anyway. They really, you know, if I just get caught in my emotional reactions to things, then I would have killed myself long ago. Suicide. <laughs> so in this, like in this unborn, uncreated, unformed, unconditioned, Sound of silence. I give you all the kind of 
knowledge I've, uh, you know, from my own experience. You know, so the sharing what I've learned is the best I can do. But uh, this, 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 you know, this dialogue of relationship, the conditions are like this. They are what they are, you know, good, bad, love, hate, and all this are, you know, they, at the present it's like this. They're not denying or judging or criticizing, observing. And the observer, the ability to observe, in which the Sakya Ditti Silabhata Brahmasa Vichikicha are like clouds in the sky. They're objects. They can be, you know, beautiful, ugly, or boring, or mediocre, or whatever, but, you know, they're, they're seen from the perspective, the unborn, uncreated, rather than attached to, and then that, once we forget that, lose that, then we become all these various conditions. We're kind of helplessly enslaved victims of our own feelings, or physical state or social position or or the way the society changes, the planet, the changing of the seasons, the earthquakes, tsunamis and all the, the rest of it <coughs> that is uh, part of living on this creepy planet called Earth. We're in a very kind of uncertain, unstable changing, unpredictable, conditioned realm, and our relationship to it then is no longer ignoring it or denying it or pretending it's something it's not, but knowing it, it's like this. And then our stability, the stability, the unshakability comes through awareness, a weak and consciousness with wisdom rather than consciousness operating, you know, stained and clouded over by ignorance. So the, you know, the, the aim of the monastic life is, is to have this perspective to let go of conditioned phenomena and, and just be an empty form in the universe. This, this human form is empty rather than it's a person, you know, and make it into, you know, Sakyatiti Silipata Baramasa. So this emptiness, you know, anatta, non-self, it's not about becoming or attaining a stream entry. You don't, that's another delusion. It's about attaining or becoming a, a sotapanna. Doesn't make sense. It just doesn't make sense to me that, that my personality will ever become a sotapanna. I wouldn't know what that would be, a, per, a sotapanna personality. You know, a stream enterer. You go around there, I'm a stream enterer, I'm, I'm a, you know, then it becomes Sakyaditi again, doesn't it? Or the other, I'm not, you know, I'm practicing all these years and I haven't attained anything, I'm just a, you know, hopeless Batujana. Is the same thing, it's identity with, with becoming anything or uh, the feeling that you haven't, you haven't become anything is still Ignorance that creates this Sakyaditi Silabhata Bharamasa Vichikecha. So, seeing the path, knowing the path is. Is not a personal attainment. You can't claim it. It's nothing, 
You know, you, if you claim it, you, you don't, you don't understand. You've missed the point. Or if you keep assuming you haven't, you know, I'm, you're trying to be humble and not make a mistake. So, so you, you know, you see yourself always through your doubt, your uncertainty, the vichikita. You know, I've been practicing all these years, but I, you know, I don't think I've really, you know, attained the path yet, is what? Doubt, vichikita. Third fetter. Or the other, you know, the the megalomaniac I have attained stream entry is Sakyaditi. So this all these this sense of a self as a, as a positive attained creature or uh, identifying with I'm a nobody, I'm I can't, I haven't gotten much yet, uh, is, or, you know, whatever way you conceive yourself in, as the best, the worst, or anything in between. I'm just an ordinary guy, you know, nothing special is the same. Still, sakaditi. You can't win on the, on that mental level. Um, you know whether you know you, how your ego operates as inflated or deflated or ordinary mediocre they're all qualities of conditions the conditions and attachments to conditions that blind us from pachubanatama here and now awakened reality Now the, you know, the power of this realm, that really, the sense realm, is a very powerful, uh, it overwhelms us. Because it's all about feeling, you know, it's, it's a, in, a you know, relentlessly feeling, pleasure, pain, heat and cold, happiness, suffering, misery, despair, all that is mine, beloved and pleasing, will become otherwise. We've got to lose everything. All that we love, all that we, you know, we, we spend our life trying to create and attain and achieve. And even with the greatest of successes, you've got to lose it. There's always a kind of pathos to this realm. It's because it's a death realm. It's pathetic. Not in a, you know, in a, judgmental way, but pathos is, 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 uh, is the kind of essence of this realm. It's about death and loss. And then the human ignorance isn't, doesn't want to admit that. It's about becoming and achieving and finding happiness and, and, the, and meeting the right person and, and uh, everything being perfect and lovely and love and and success and all the best. The way we, you know, we create these illusions that, that of how we would like it to be. This reflection on the nature of pathos, of loss. So this is where Old age, sickness, death are the devadutas in the, the Buddha, Buddha Dhamma. The beautiful baby, the lovely infant. You know, we all get, we all love babies. They're beautiful, lovely creatures. Most of the time. <laughs> but they, you know, they, they're not the same as an old, shriveled up person, are they? We love to, we change their nappies and, and cuddle them and coo and everybody, you know, gets together and, oh, isn't he beautiful, sweet, lovely, gorgeous creature? You don't do that to an old person. Mm-hmm. <clears throat>
And yet the baby is going to grow up and get old, as we all, you know, that's what these forms are about. Aging, change. And so all that is mine, beloved and pleasing, will become otherwise, will become separated from me. It's, it's not a depressing pessimist, it's just a fact of life. This is the way this realm operates. There's always a kind of peacefulness in in the in the pathetic, isn't there? A sense of the minor key or the this sense of, you know, where we're not just uh, chirping along with the major notes, you know, talking about uh, the sun shines and I'm happy forever. It's a reflective state which reminds us of the ephemeral nature of this realm of loss. Despair, all that is mine, all that I love, all that I want, all that I achieve will be separated. And yet that very reflection is reflecting on the way things are. But it, it you know, when sees it from Sakyaditi, uh, you know, you, you start, you get depressed. I don't want it to be like that. I want a happy life. Tell me everything is beautiful and I'll live forever and find the right person that God made for me and live happily ever after in a realm of eternal bliss. Tell me, tell me that. Give me the illusions. Tell me everything is fine. Or awaken to this realm that we're experiencing. The, the bodies are like this. The desire, wanting to, wanting illusions, wanting to live in a, in a realm of illusion is like this. Not wanting the world to be something I, I'm frightened of or don't like or don't want is like this. And our society does tend to, you know, the Western world is is very much as the the Siddhapata Bharamasa, the cultural condition, is based on delusion, let's face it. It's about progress, achievement, attainment. It's an overestimation of our human abilities. It's the idea, you know, that we can actually con uh, control nature, that we can actually improve nature, we can, you know, make it better than what it is. And we will be able to conquer death and, and find uh, the right kind of uh, chemistry to, to stop the aging process and eradicate illness, annihilate death. You know, so this recognize that Sila Bhattabharamasa then cultural conditioning, you know, it's part of an attitude uh, that we're, that's, in, you know, instilled in us from being born into this particular culture, this society. It's not like personality anymore, it's just part of a, a, a cultural uh, pattern, a paradigm that, that the society operates from. What is the what is the Siddhapatabharamasa of this society here in Britain now? What is it? You know, just living here in in England, and not to criticize, but you know, the feeling for the attitudes, assumptions of the society that's influencing us because we live here in this country. It's not a criticism, of it, but a recognition of the modern attitudes, the uh, political, uh, philosophical, cultural uh, attitudes, opinions, views that affect us as individuals because we live in this society. In whatever country you go to, you, you know, you're living within that uh, society's value system and assumptions and attitudes. You know, so over the past 
few years, you know, the, uh, the problems with the economy. You know, now it's more of a global society, isn't it? We talk about the global village. And, you know, the Asia, Europe, Africa, the Americas, they're all, we're all connected now. It's not they're so far away that what's happening in Chile is, it has no effect on us here in Amravati. So there's about these miners uh, being trapped under the, half a mile under the, under the ground and for 70 days, you know, they had to, in some remote country like Chile, where, you know, the whole world was listening, paying attention with could they save these, these men who were trapped half a mile under the earth and covered with rocks that they had to drill through. You know, a hundred years ago, what that happened, nobody would know it except maybe the immediate people involved. So we, you know, this effect of modern, uh, of the technology of mass media is like this. And so the observing of it is, you know, the feelings, the aspirations, the ideals, the the uh, attitudes of the time, the fashions that affect us are like this. You know, this is not judgment, is it? It's just the pointing, recognizing how the environment we live in, the people we live with, the, the culture that we're experiencing at this time is like this. So it is like a, a, you know, an obsession with individual, with self-expression, freedom, human rights, you know, emphasizing one's, one's self, the importance of oneself, to be able to say what you want, be free to do whatever you feel like. And we're all equal, all equally important. You know, so we have this ideal of equality where, where, you know, this ideal of we're all totally equal. And yet are we, you know, just at this moment, I'm sitting here, you know, this form here, sitting in this seat, looking at you. What's equal about that? You know, there's this, this subjective, objective relationship. Each one of us, you know, as a living creature, we're the center of the universe. You know, just on a practical level of reflection, this is the center point as far as, as you know, consciousness from this point. This Ajahn Sumedho form sitting on this seat, you're out there, you're the object of sight, sound, So this point here, if I take it personally, you know, if I think, you know, the ideal is we're all, all equal. We shouldn't discriminate, you know, we should hold to this ideal of equality. But then the reality of this moment is, is not like that. It's like this. Subject-object, changing conditions. <clears throat> freedom is a freedom to do whatever I wish, follow every desire. Is that what freedom is? You know, I can, I'm a, we're all equal, I'm free to do anything I feel like or express myself in any way I want to. Or, is can we be free on the conditioned plane? Isn't it always some kind of bondage and limitation? Conditions are not free. They're, they're karmic, so they arise and cease. They have their karma to, that we have, you know, we can't control and, and make it what we want or perpetuate it into a permanent state. 
So freedom, equality, uh, all of it, these are ideals. But, and, and ideals are, you know, creations of the mind. You can create an ideal with your intellect. But in, in awareness, we're not operating from how things should be if they're ideal, but from the way they are. So this is, this is a, a mindfulness and discernment. Sati and Panya. Cultivating this. And so the first three fetters are, uh, very skillful statements of the basic problem of ignorance. The, the, the synthetic, the artificial creations that human beings create out of ignorance. The personality is a creation. Emotions that we have, you know, they're, they're creations. The sense of I'm happy, sad, good, bad. Identifying with the feeling, with the emotional habits. We acquire habits, learning to survive. This is a realm, actually, you know, this, this realm that we're living in is fear realm. It's all about you know, trying to procreate the species and survive. Instinct. Procreation. Survival. This realm of, of this, uh, these creatures on this planet we share this planet with. Now the human being, we can easily delude ourselves because we can live in a realm of ideas and, and delusions. We can, you know, kind of try to control our environment to, uh, to have the illusion of being everything's wonderful and everybody's happy. But, you know, that illusion is hard to sustain and, and then it, it's so easily changeable, you know, easily destroyed. All the, the, uh, happiness and beauty and that that we identify with, it can easily be destroyed at any moment. So that, you know, this is a realm of fear, of loss, of death. Now that's putting it in rather stark terms. But in terms of awareness, you know, we're we're not trying to, we're not grasping these perceptions, the kind of negative, depressing uh, philosophy of life is for reflection, you know, just beginning to trust this awareness to observe things in this direct way in which the ignorance and the avicca is relinquished. We're no longer helpless victims of the conditions, the beliefs, the desires that we experience within these forms. And this is important, you know, very important. It's also wonderful opportunity, you know, a sense of wonder. It's always, I've always felt this sense of wonder about this practice because it, on one level it seems hopeless, you know, from the, my personal personal tendencies, my personality, it just seems overwhelming when you really, you know, if you, if you don't, if you let go of the illusion and see the, the facts like all that is mine, beloved and pleasing, everything's going to die, old age, sickness, death, suffering, <clears throat> the power of the body, the, the belief in my emotions and myself, the, the anxiety I have on a personal level, self-consciousness, worry, resentments from the past and all the rest. It, you know, these things, if this is, this is what I grasp and, and interpret experience through, then I'd be very depressed old man at this point. Because, you know, you, at this age you know, you know, you 
life is coming to an end and all that is mine, beloved and pleasing. And then you get old like this, you feel, you, you know, your memory's not so good. You think, oh, getting Alzheimer's. You, start, you hear all these terms, Alzheimer's. Or uh, you don't want to become senile and demented and you're afraid of losing control, becoming one of these old people that that have no, they're incontinent and uh, humiliated by the the aging body that is no longer, you know, have illusions of it being attractive and and uh, yours, it's just a, you know, a decaying, dying form. It could become very depressing, couldn't it? So this, um, and we can trust in, you know, like we have belief that when it all ends then we'll be rewarded for being good. That's one way of, you know, bearing with life, is believing that uh, in the next life I'll be happy forever. But that's another creation of the mind, isn't it? The next life, me, I, I'll be, you know, I've been virtuous, I should be rewarded for my virtue and goodness in this one, hopefully. Made a few mistakes, maybe I'll have to go through some kind of uh, purgatory experience, you know, kind of penance and that uh, in order to, but eventually I'll live happily ever after. This is, you know, not to criticize this way of thinking, but it is thinking, isn't it? It's a creation, a human, human creation a cultural or religious assumption is like this. Now this mindfulness, awareness is like this. There is the unborn, uncreated, unformed, unconditioned. This is real, this is not not some kind of fantasy I've created, I just pay attention. At this very moment, there's attention. I'm, I'm not doing anything but paying attention right now. I'm not in an absorbed state of jhana, it's just attention, awakened, there's consciousness, attention in which everything is in perspective you know the the personal feelings that <clears throat> you know the physical feelings that I have experienced now through this form the, the emotional mental state is like this The eyes are open, so I'm seeing all of you. You know, everything's included. It, the re, then the, the, the relationship of this unlimited unborn to the limited. It's the limited, the born, the created are objects. They're the clouds that hide the sun. They're, they are what they are but they come and go and pass according to condition, phenomena, that, that from this point here, this creature sitting on this seat has no control over the weather of the British Isles or anywhere else. So just let, let it happen, you know, the clouds come and go Days and nights are relentlessly passing. Praise and blame, success and failure. So, you know, our community's gone through a very difficult time the past few years, but it, it's also a time to reflect, you know, learn from it. The point is, is not to, 
you know, not to just try to endlessly prop up the forms, but to to really use the conditions we're experiencing. You know, to, it's the karma, the present karma is like this, and it's personal karma. You know, from this, from this, or communal karma, whatever. <clears throat> but it's not about judgment, but observing the changingness, the anicca dukkanata of conditioned phenomena uh, in any form that it manifests, the way it affects the consciousness at this moment is like this. So then the you know, this uh, <clears throat> to be able to let go of the self, you have to know what it is. You know, the idea of you should not be attached to anything is, can still be a self-view, isn't it? To operate from the, I shouldn't be attached to anything uh, is uh, still sakya ditti. You know, because you're attaching to a view of non-attachment. Though it's not about attaching to the view of non-attachment, but recognizing attachment to a view is like this. So it's, it's really, you know, it's, a, it's going right to this very center, to this point. The unborn, uncreated, unformed, you're off, you know, recognize it's just this, where the I shouldn't be attached to anything as uh, a condition of rising and ceasing. It's a cloud in the sky. It's, it is what it is. But this, this sense of it, of grasping Buddhist ideas can be, you know, that grasping out of ignorance, even though you're grasping very good teachings, the problem is still there. You know, the Sakyaditi Silabhattabharamasa Vichikicca still influencing uh, your, you know, your life and you're operating from Sakyaditi rather than from Buddha Dhamma Sangha. During this, there's three fetters, you know, they're, they're the obstruction to stream entry. What is stream entry then, Sotapanna? You know, that's why investigating these three fetters is so so I encourage you to do this so you know what they are. They're not no longer just defined in dictionaries and various opinions of others, but what is the personality? Sakya Ditti. Siddhapadabharamasa Vichikicca. And it's very clearly pointed to in this, in this teaching of the fetters and relationship to the four stages. Then if we think, I want to conquer the fetters so I can become a stream enterer, that's Sakya Ditti again. You know, it's not about getting rid of the fetters in order to become a stream enterer. That, that's, that's the thinking process, the Sakya Ditti problem we all have. But to recognize Sakya Ditti is like this. You know, Ajahn Sumedho said I should investigate the first three fetters, so I'm going to conquer, conquer the fetters. It's still Sakya Ditti. So it's not about, you know, grasping the ideas or trying to get rid of the fetters, but know what they are. You know, really pay attention to the sense of yourself, your feelings, your emotions, your, your character, your tendencies. You know, the way we, the way we're so upset by something, or love something, or hate something, or attraction, or aversion, a sense of, you know, of doubt and worry, blame, and all that that is part of Sakya Ditti. Be the observer of it. You know, it's like this. Those people tell me that their heart's been broken, disappointed with the song and things like this. 
is like this, you know, a broken heart is Sakya Ditti. It is. It's certainly, you know, we've all experienced our hearts have been broken. But that's, but the awareness of that is like this. And this is, this is the strength, this is the power of awareness and wisdom and stability in the sense of unshakable stillness within that is the abiding place that we can recognize through awareness. When, uh, you know, when Lung Po Chop had his uh, stroke, <clears throat> then uh, I was here in Amravati at the time, during the Vasa period. So, they, you know, I heard, they phoned me, and uh, I'd just seen Ajahn Chah before the Vasa, and then Ajahn Anandu and I would remember the last time seeing him when he was still you know, you know, himself, he wasn't, didn't have a stroke yet. It was Bakut Wai by the Moon River in Ubon and uh, saying goodbye to him. And then coming back to England, entering Navasa here at Amarvati. And then hearing this. And then, uh, as soon as the Vasa was over, I rushed to Bangkok. He was in the Chula Longkorn Hospital. And the grief, you know, seeing, you know, Ajahn Chah, you know, in a kind of helpless state. I remember him being wheeled out in a wheelchair and, uh, you know, just looking, um, you know, no, no longer they, the, charismatic individual that we all loved. That, uh, the, like a broken heart, a grief, a loss. Where's my teacher? And then I could observe. I could observe my own emotional reactions of, I don't want you to be like this. There's this kind of a panic in the hospital that we've got to cure him. We've got to make him so he was what we want. We want our Lung Pa back. <clears throat> we don't, I don't want him to be like this. I could feel it in myself, my own desire to want, not want him to be like that, to have him return to his old self, the memories that I had, the person that I loved. But because of the power of his teaching, then I could observe that. I didn't feel it, but I could observe. And I could feel this sense of, of loss and not wanting it to be like this. And we've got to do something to change it. And, uh, and then that's how everybody was reacting. So then I was with a, uh, one of the lay supporters, a woman, a very nice lay woman who was uh, devoted Ajahn Chah. We went in the sea. She broke down we, in front of Ajahn Chah, you know, weeping and, and, you know, quite hysterical, actually. So, and then I could see, you know, this, that here, Lung Po Chah in the stadiums and had to observe, you know, what he, you know, this, all of us falling apart. You know, this lovely lay supporter falling apart in, in weeping in front of him. Me feeling, I don't want you to be like this. I didn't say that, but, you know, I don't want this. I don't want this to happen. It's like this. So then, you know, I kept, because of Lung Pacho's teaching, I kept observing this in myself with Bhavadana I don't want this I want it to be otherwise it's like this 
And then this very powerful sense of, you know, I'm, now's the time where I, you know, I have to really, I can practice, you know, use everything that I'm experiencing for this awareness, for wisdom, rather than just getting caught in the momentum of the atmosphere and situation that is uh, affecting me at the time. That takes a strong determination because those are powerful emotions. It's not just kind of weak, well, you know, I don't particularly want it like this, but you know, it's not a kind of whinging, uh, kind of whitewashing of the situation. These are powerful feelings. But have this, but then this attitude of it's very important to witness them rather than just suppress them or follow them. Because that's what Lung Po Cha, you know, that's the Dhamma language, Pasa Dhamma. Not just the sense of loss because things aren't the way I want them. So it's, uh, you know, there's, uh, life is a challenge, but, you know, this is like the encouragement is to practice with, you know, to use everything. It's grist for the mill, it's the path. No matter how painful or pleasant or successful or failure, these are not the issues. We're not trying to be successful. You know, it's not trying to be, be a successful Buddhist cult in Britain or successful in any way or that, but to, these are worldly values. But we have this opportunity to use this for awakened attention, learn, and really uh, cultivate, integrate this awareness into the flow of our life in its various phases of change, of success, failure, praise and blame, happiness, suffering, So then you, you know, you have this, this is a fearless path, in other words. It's fearless, is in this awareness of fear. The awareness is, is not frightened. Maybe the personality is, the emotions. <clears throat> so really, you know, the resolve. I resolved at that time. I remember the Tulalongkorn Hospital in Bangor. <laughs> resolved to, to not, you know, to really, you know, practice what Lung Po Cha had, had always encouraged me to, to do. You know, I didn't, you know, you can't have a teacher and, and and uh, and all that uh, you know is a kind of permanent part of your life. Teachers come and go, things change, conditions change, societies change, and and everything's changing. But this awareness of change, this is the the path. And then to cultivate this path is really bhavana. Is uh, you know this this. Uh, Dana sila bhavana. It, it's not bhavana until you're actually cultivating the path. All this attempt to to get something or attain something through meditation, if it's operating from sakya ditti sila bhattabharamasa, it's not the path. It might be virtuous and good, good karma, but it's not the path. It's not bhavana till you actually Know the path and cultivate. Then the, then the rest of it, the, the seven remaining fetters to Arahant, this is just a, then once you have that breakthrough, the, the, the artifices of human, human ignorance, Sakyaditi, Silabhata, Baramasa, Vichikicha, the remainder are about just the, 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 the energies of this realm. Sexual desire, raga, videka, anger. These are, these are just, 
these are not Sakyaditi Silabhata Bharamasa Vijikecha anymore. They're not the, the first three fetters. But they're part of the human condition, the planetary life, the mammalian karma, the DNA. You know, this is, this, and so our awareness of it is, you know, we're, we're, through awareness we can actually uh, let go of just the blinding power of uh, sexual desire or anger, fear, through awareness, through, and then leads on to complete liberation, freedom from ignorance, free, and um, through understanding, not through annihilating the energies. We're not kind of, you know, castrating ourselves or or getting rid of anger, but we're no longer deluded and and. Uh, deluded by such strong emotions or tendencies that are part of the human or the mammalian condition in the procreative impulses, the instincts of this of these species, we begin to see and our then our freedom lies in non attachment. Relinquishing to this point that embraces everything. <laughs> 